0: These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls. Uh, I was only partially joking when I tweeted earlier today that we're just going to spend the entire episode of flagrant howls 45 minutes staring at the NBA standings and laughing
1: maniacally today, Kyle. (laughs) <laughs> there was a <laughs> it, there was there was a moment last week where the Wolves I think were in first place in the West or maybe it was actually the entire league and it was like 5 hours. It was right before they lost to the Kings, right? And then yeah. they dropped that Kings game at home which affected their in-season, in-season tournament which I'm sure we will talk about, but uh it was like a 5 hour window and we're like, man, this is cool. I wonder if we'll ever get back. And then just a couple days later it's like they have pole position in the Western Conference. As I tweeted out, they're fine in the West, which was a, a subtle jab at uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are are down. I mean, the John Morant thing aside, like they have so many actual basketball injuries, but uh, I think Anthony Edwards kind of summed it up the best. Uh, I mean, I found myself, I don't know if it's because football was on, Phil, on Sunday, but I found myself being bored with that game. There was just like no benefit to that type of game, right? You're playing a team that is so far below you, that's going to bring out bad habits and old scar tissue in terms of playing down your opponent. And they were pretty much up for 20 that whole game. But those are one of those lose-lose type games. It's like, just get out of here without any injuries. If you lose, it's going to be an embarrassment. If you win, it's because the Grizzlies have three wins. So The Grizzlies um, are the only team in the NBA that has yet to win a home game. We're like, what are we, like a and, month into the season? They're 0-8 at home so far this year. And Ant kind of summed it up again at, after the game. We said this was, every time I've been to Memphis, it's been like a party it's been chaotic I mean he's only really played there in impactful playoff games and a handful of regular season games and that's just not what the vibe was you could feel it through the tv too that Grizzlies fans were just kind of like and again I I get it they have the whole John Morant situation which is non-basketball they have half of their rosters like out with injuries which is basketball related so um but as a Timberwolves podcast and from a Timberwolves perspective they did what they had to do they took care of business uh They dropped that game against the Kings the other night. But other than that, they've been playing really good basketball. Um, I think they're top five again in in defense. Uh, Alan Horton, by the way, just as a side note, is like the greatest Twitter follow of all time. I think he's having the most fun of anyone. He just tweets out some of the most insane statistics. He had one about the team's defense. uh, I have it in front of me. Okay, read it out. In
0: fact, I had it carved out for... For the Timberwolves stat porn segment of Ooh, the my bad. Uh, No, but let's let's just do it right now. This is your your Timberwolves stat porn of the week here on Flagrant House. Courtesy of Alan Horton. So. At Wolves Radio on Twitter or X. Here's the tweet. Eight. It starts with eight. The number of times the Timberwolves defense has held an opponent to under forty percent shooting and under thirty percent threes in a game this year. No other team has done it more than three times. Ten teams have yet to do it. Last season, Milwaukee led the NBA doing it nine times in 82 games. The Wolves have done it eight times in 16
1: games. There's your Wolves stat porn of the week here on Flagrant House. That's just so uh, over on the Dane Moran Bay podcast, him and Chris Hine kind of talked about defense as well and, and brought up some different perspectives or different ways to look at the stats. But on the broadcast, Jim and Grady will do a lot of just, you know, it's getting late. The team is up by twenty, and you're just. What else do we have to kind of track or monitor? And it's like, can they keep them under hundred points? And it's kind of ties into Allen's stat there too, uh, to a, to some extent. But just overall, it's not really small sample size anymore, right? Like we're getting the Wolves wake up this morning; they're twelve and four. So you're about twenty percent into the into the season. You're starting to see some real trends, and it's not like they've had an easy schedule by any means. They've had a couple cakewalk games but they're they're doing this against upper echelon teams in the eastern and western conference so it's just cool to watch i i i tune in now just really i don't I don't know i'm like groggy today i'm still on like holiday mode but i, I tune into these games now just horny to watch defense and it's incredible wow. <laughs> yeah so they Let's get it they lock them down and they, they'll, they'll, they'll give up some 9 runs and stuff i think again, as a fan, I found myself like flipping back and forth from the game yesterday. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm bored. Like they're up 20. There's no one on the Grizzlies. I fear you're like Bill's Eagles is on fire right now. I yep. Need to yep. And some I, I of wouldn't, this. I, so I kind of related to, I mean, people are going to hate this, but I can sometimes see why as a professional athlete, despite being paid millions, you just kind of like zone out, you're Like, Oh, we're up 20. Like I'm not going to hedge on this screen as hard as I need to. So cause as a fan yesterday, I was mailing it in as well, but 12 and four first in the Western conference, Uh, A really cool schedule coming up. I mean, November was a gauntlet. I think they only lost twice. There was the Phoenix loss, and then there was the uh, obviously the Kings loss, which from the in-season tournament standpoint kind of knocks them out. They do play the Thunder tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, what's the math now? So Oh my god, I don't even, I don't even Don't they know. have to like Jace Frederick had it a couple <laughs> days yep, ago? Go and I'm Chase not sure street.
0: if maybe one of the did a couple of the teams needed in the math equation already play. I I I'm sorry, I don't have all the details, but it was like, okay, if the Wolves win, they need a margin of like thirty seven or more, but then they need like this other thing to happen over here with like the Warriors or something. So basically just go beat the breaks off Oklahoma City mm-hmm. is step one, right? In fact, if you can beat Oklahoma City by like 37 points, you're in pretty good shape. So just go do that. Just go. I know Oklahoma City has become now the second best team in the Western Conference record wise. And that'll be just, that'll be interesting to watch that because that's going to be a bit of a difference in playing styles and ethos and one team that wants to maybe play a little bit smaller and one team that wants to play bigger. So just like regardless of in season playoff stuff, that'll be an interesting matchup against a team that. I don't know finishes second in the Western Conference, but is definitely like taking a jump this year. Mm-hmm. And is a team that you probably have to reckon with at
1: some point as you get toward the playoffs. And since we we recorded after that Knicks game, I think, which was a pretty sound win for the Wolves, 117-100, uh, then they beat Philly right before Thanksgiving, which there was no Embiid. But that was another one of those cases where a team that you could probably play down to expectations. Philly was on the second night of a back-to-back, no Embiid. It got a little murky there for a while, but Wolves, again, held them under 100, one by double digits. The Kings loss, I know we're not going to get into too many historic performances and we have more fun things to talk about, but the Kings loss was a bummer, and that's, again, from a weird basketball, just nerd standpoint. I kind of like watching losses now, which, again, I know everything I'm saying is 28-year-old <laughs> Kyle would have just killed me, but I like watching teams that can beat the Wolves because, like, the Kings did some stuff that presented real – Issues that the Wolves need to address. I mean the King's yeah, like ball hitting movement 14 threes in the first half. Right. Instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The King's ball movement is their pace and their flow is is top of the charts. Mike Brown is a really good head coach. So the Wolves still battled in that. It was never really out of their reach, but they never really were able to grab the rope. And then yeah, the Memphis wins. So um pretty impressive stuff. But that Thunder game is going to be really insightful as yes, it's still a November regular season game but the last time those two teams I think squared off was that playing game when the Wolves beat the Brakes off the Thunder but they didn't have Chet Holmgren obviously the Wolves didn't have Jaden and Nas but it should give you a real good opportunity to see kind of a young but more veteran team as the Wolves have become against one of the youngest but up-and-coming teams in the league and it's going to be really good basketball both teams are fresh I don't think the Thunder play on Monday so uh yeah if you're going if you're looking for a game to go to Chet Holmgren, local legend go to Target Center on Tuesday because that's about as good as it gets first and second place in the West in November. I was going to save this question for later in the podcast because I wanted to start with a question that
0: you threw out or a a take I guess on Twitter. We're going to flip flop this. We're going to we're going to we're going to read through Kyle's tweets a little bit later in the episode (laughs) and get to a Kyle's question of the week. I want to ask you this because we're you know we're starting off with more Wolves positivity like we're just sort of riding this top of the Western Conference wave here to start the season. Uh, it's it's the most fun and successful start to a season in Timberwolves history at this point. And people who say, well, what about the 0304 team? That was the most exciting and fun finish to a season mm-hmm. to this point in franchise history. I think they started like nine and nine in their first, they were like 500 okay. in mm-hmm. December. And then they started to click and they eventually became what, like a 58 win team or whatever in a number one seed. Um, so just along the lines of Wolves positivity here, our guy, Jim Pete. On the broadcast a couple mm. games ago. He came out, and I think this was against the Sixers, an embedless Sixers team, but you know, they did what they had to do and they beat that team silly. And he said, I'm paraphrasing that this Timberwolves team can win the championship if they stay healthy. And if they I think he said if they keep playing for each other and mm-hmm. the way that they're playing now, which is a lot of unsell, it's defense first, ball movement, not a lot of hero ball that this team can win the championship. And I love it. I love it. Maybe we're getting too excited, but I don't think to your point throughout the last few episodes, we don't have to apologize for anything, man. Like it's fun right now. Mm -hmm. It's been mostly miserable being a Timberwolves fan. So why not be able to speculate on this? So I went to, I just Googled NBA playoff percentages and a website called playoffstatus.com is quantifying like probabilities for making the playoffs round one. I don't know what their method is, It doesn't say, like, how the sausage is made. So take playoffstatus.com with a grain of salt if you need to. But here are the teams in order from 10th up to number one. We'll start at number 10 up to number one. Percent chance to win the NBA title this year, okay? Phoenix Suns, 4%. Sacramento Kings, 4%. Nice little team they got there. Dallas Mavericks five percent, Nuggets six percent, Thunder six percent, Bucks with Damian Lillard and Giannis seven percent. Sixers have an eight percent chance to win the title. The Magic currently have an eight percent chance to win the title, which that's crazy. I'd want to cross reference this maybe with they're, another. They're really
1: fun though. They're they're another like the Thunder, but I think with a higher ceiling just because they have so many guys. The Thunder. Have obviously Shea and Chet, but the Magic. If you if you haven't been paying attention to the league, the Orlando Magic are really fun. Yeah, they've got some good talent. Number two, the second
0: most likely NBA champion according to PlayoffStatus.com, is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Eleven percent chance wow. to win the whole thing behind the Celtics at thirteen percent.
1: Wow. I mean, I'm gonna pull. Up, I'm gonna try and pull up a second one here. I feel like we need like a second source on this. Before we run with this, I can't believe that you found that website I created. That's pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> oh, I found a second one, Basketball Reference. I Oh my I, God, dude. I, no, re, okay, it, it's go even to, higher. It's even do, higher. Do the basketball that reference. Higher.
0: Playoffstatus.com says 11% to win the championship. Basketballreference.com, 16% chance to win the championship, second best odds.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> Who who do they have as the number one on basketball reference? Like, who has the highest percentage? In the whole league? It's got to be the Celtics still. Celtics, 28%. Yeah. It's got
0: Thunder and Wolves tied at 16% to win the finals. Okay. And then it goes 76ers, 15%. And then it's a big jump. Like, those are the top four teams. Big, big jump until you get to, let's see here, Magic at 5%.
1: Nuggets at three and a half percent it's I, would love, I, I mean that's the I don't know man I would Imagine. love a Timberwolves' magic NBA finals because then <sighs> like I could go down to Orlando maybe go to Disney <laughs> World check it out uh, typhoon Lagoon is like my favorite place growing up um it it's funny that you bring all this up and obviously when Jim said it as much as this this is a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast we all love Jim and Grady by the way Grady last night corner three bite bite. Night, night. Oh, Michael great. Grady is a legend. That was Let's go. that gave me just feels on top of feels. And then Grady uh, tweeted out that he was watching Coach Carter on the flight home because he had admitted that I don't think he'd ever seen it. Just that duo was awesome. But for Jim to say it, we love Jim because he, I think, is pretty objective, um, and he's not a homer. If you listen to League Pass, some of these other guys, it's less. They're all kind of on the team payroll, but it's just so. Yeah. Cringe. I mean, Jim calls it like it's like he sees it. If he sees something bad, he'll call it out. So when he said that in the moment, I mean, I almost passed out. And then to kind of bring it full circle to just my life, I was FaceTiming my grandma last night because she was had COVID last week and she put my grandpa in a nursing home. So just trying to stay in touch and stuff. And she's asking me for updates and how work is and stuff. And she asked me about the Timberwolves and she goes, she doesn't follow them, obviously, but she's like, can. So are they going to are they going to win it all? Like, can they win it all? grandma? And I just stared at the screen for a couple of seconds. (laughs) And then I I gave her a a resounding, I was like, no, like, no, they can't win it all. Like, I was trying to, like, bring myself back down to earth. But the fact that I spent four seconds looking at 85-year-old Rita and just being like, I had to think about it, that in and of itself is damn near a banner. It's like, I had to think about, do the Wolves actually have a chance to win the title? Because a year ago, I mean, we are recording this on November 27th. November 28th of 2022 is when Carl went down with, in the moment, what I thought was a torn Achilles. <laughs> and I thought maybe his career was probably not over, but I just, I still think torn Achilles in basketball kind of neuters your ability to come back. I know Kevin Durant's done it, but we're a year removed, basically, from one of the lowest points in franchise history. Just the team was bad. Now you lose Carl. Like, our pet's heads are falling off. And now a year later, I'm telling my grandma, like, Wait, can they win the championship? And according to every website that we've read, it's like they have a chance. So big picture, whatever, bring it all, bring it all back. This team is really good. Uh, I understand the scar tissue. I understand their history, uh, all the times they've let us down, but I don't know how much longer you can wait to kind of jump on the bandwagon. They might crash and burn and then we'll grieve and then we'll get mad, But. This is such a good basketball team and they're doing it with something that can translate month by month and into the playoffs and that's defense. They're not just trying to outshoot teams. Dude, it travels. Yeah. And the and I keep talking about this with kind of my Wolves friends, the biggest thing I take away from these games is that there's still so much meat on the bone for them to get better at. Like I still I mean they don't have Jaden, right? Like they don't have their best perimeter defender. I don't think their rotations are super crisp yet. Shake Milton's been better, but he hasn't and they're trying to kind of pigeonhole him into a role that i don't think he's best served but they don't have jordan mclaughlin troy brown's kind of come on um just there's so many little things and ways that they're not executing properly still the shooting hasn't really fully been there they probably need a player by the trade deadline to kind of bolster their bench scoring Nas reed's had to down a down couple weeks but all of that and it's like yeah they're best in the west it's not like they're playing a plus basketball they're probably playing b plus basketball so Jim's right. They have a chance. That's crazy to say we sound like homers, but he's not a homer. He's a really smart basketball guy, and he sees the vision that I think Tim Conley saw last year when he took over. I found a third source here, too KyleTiggy.com. It's KyleTiggy.net, actually. That's mm. it is. Yep.
0: Couldn't yep. afford it. Backslash Homer. Um, it's ESPN.com. ESPN's Basketball Power Index. Oh, football. Yes. <laughs> Power. So according to the uh, power index, Celtics, 18%, Bucks 15%, Sixers, 11%, and then the number one most likely team from the Western Conference tied, I should say, at 8%, Nuggets and Timberwolves. So the, the, the most pessimistic of these three still has the Timberwolves tied for the best chance to win the title of any team in the Western Conference. And it's I think what what's hard about this is I had never dude, I feel like we're the most like probably Homer (laughs) for sure podcast. Right. And I will I will go rogue and start like getting mad at players sometimes. And you're generally the the more level headed one on this show. But overall, like if you took all the Wolves podcasts, you know, I I mean, Dane is much more like analytical. Mm -hmm. Hey, whoa, let's look at this objectively and whatever. Um, And that's awesome. And his podcast is amazing. I, I mean, the fact that we had never even like your grandma's like, are they going to win it all? And you're like, yeah. what? I haven't put myself in that headspace yet. So I guess props to Jim Pete for being the first one to, like, verbalize this 20 percent of the way into the season. But if you start to look up and down, like the Eastern Conference, I still say whoever comes out of the East, if, if all these teams are healthy, the Celtics are loaded. The Bucks have one of the best, if that team can continue to grow mm-hmm. and just like all the peripheral pieces around two Hall of Famers, that team is loaded. The 76ers, I think, are better when when James Harden has been sort of cut out of their system and put aside. So that's a team to reckon with, like pretty much anyone coming out of the East. Those top three teams are going to be dangerous. When I look around the Western Conference, though. who Who do you fear? I'm not saying there aren't good teams to be respected. The Kings came in and they handed the Wolves a loss like Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. I'm, I'm not saying the Wolves are going to run the table and never lose a game against the West. I'm saying in a seven game series right now, I'm not even saying like they would guaranteed win these series. But for years and years and years, including last year, you say, oh, the Wolves are playing the Nuggets in the first round. Now we came on here and I called them a fake one seed <laughs> and you called them the Purdue of the NBA. That aside, you kind of knew like, all right, yep, Nuggets are favored. And it, it would be an upset if the Wolves won this series. And you'd say the same thing about other matchups. Who in the Western Conference right now would you say, ooh, that's gonna be a ooh, that's like that would be a big upset win in a seven game series?
1: If I had to power rank right now in November, which is a really smart thing to do, the the teams that have a better chance at coming out of the West than the Wolves, it's still the Nuggets for me simply because when we have the best player conversation that ha- changes every week, if you just watch a Nuggets game, like Jokic is the best player on planet Earth and maybe in the galaxy. So mm-hmm. if they have the best player and they have the reps, I mean, the one thing I still worry about with the Wolves is just – there aren't many historical times where a team has just taken like a massive leap. Right. Growth and, and development and all that stuff isn't linear, but it it also kind of is. Like you don't just go bad, 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 you know, five game first round playoff, five game first round playoff, and now we won the West. Like that just doesn't happen. So they don't have, you know, they haven't been in really tight spots. I mean, tight spots for the Wolves are a regular season game against the Celtics in early November. So it's still the nuggets to me. And then two teams that just play as more teams get bigger, and even Jim, by the way, shout out to him, said size matters the other night on, on the call, which is like, I'm trying to get shirts for that, but there's some uh, trademark issues. The Suns and the Nuggets just play a style of basketball that, like, the Lakers are big, the Nuggets or the Nuggets are big, uh, who else, the Pelicans are big, but the Kings and the Suns just really dominate with guards and put a lot of pressure on your defense. I mean, Darren Fox got whatever he wanted Devin Booker got whatever he wanted. So those two teams also kind of are on a lesser tier than the Nuggets. But they also make me nervous as well. But um, the Wolves didn't try, really, against the Suns. Obviously, the Suns weren't healthy either. But I think they can beat them. The Kings won. They play so fast. And they want you to play at their speed, which I think affects the Wolves' defense a little bit. But it's just, again, I to the original question and to the original statement Jim made, Dana and I talk about this all the time this is more fun. Like this do making content is way more fun. Now when your team is good and it's way easier because it's like, I don't have to come on here and try to claw out a box score. and be like, well, did you see Josh mine? I got three minutes. Like now he's getting minutes. He's like the victory cigar, but I don't know what to do. Like I, I'm open for comments. I'm open for interpretation feedback. I don't know how to handle this anymore because I always thought when we did 50 is nifty or like, can they make it out of the first round? That was it. Like we'd win 50 games or they would make it all the first round. And then we would just be like, all right, cool. Enjoy your summer. If this team's playing basketball in late May or God forbid, early June, I, I don't know what to do. That's like it's, learning. It's a new only language.
0: happened once. Like I, I remember I exactly where I was watching inside the NBA after each of those Kings Wolves games, TNT, you know, ESPN, you had like Doug Collins on the call for ESPN or was it TNT? I can't remember who did the game seven in uh, that King series, but then you had the Lakers and like, I'm I think I was a freshman in college or a senior in high school and my friends and I were like it was like summer outside we were going tubing on a lake and then we came inside (laughs) and we would like watch the Wolves play a playoff game in late May or early June. So it's like if you're a Wolves fan watching basketball like watching Wolves basketball in late May or early June is something that's only happened once (laughs) and it's a weird feeling. But it kind of feels like we're headed that way. I have more stat porn for you too here as I'm kind of digging through if you want. Uh, yeah, give it to me all. Okay. I love porn. So, <laughs> so Anthony Edwards is shooting uh hat tip to Dane Moore for this this uh statistical bin here. His mid-range game mm, has mm-hmm. taken a huge leap. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in basketball, we've thanks to Steph Curry and Analytics we abandoned the mid-range game for a while there. It felt like Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard were like the only two players who dared to have a mid-range game for a long time. And now it's like coming back that hey, if you're a skilled player, these are actually the most open shots you're probably going to get cuz the opposing defenses are trying to usher you away from the rim and they're trying to they're trying to move you off threes, right? So so Anthony Edwards has spent some time finding, you know, uh, an 18-foot bank shot. He's he's tried to find his way to these open spots on the floor. He's shooting 47% between 10 and 16 feet. He's shooting 51% on long twos, the long two for the first three years of his career. And for like most players in the NBA is a no, 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 no. Why are you shooting that shot for Anthony Edwards? It is a full green light shot,
1: dude, 51% on long twos. That's amazing. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that set up because that's, like, the new... I don't know, not global warming, but that's, like, the new hot topic that, again, everyone wants to really get away from the mid-range. But the best scorers right now in the league... I mean, just two that come to mind would be Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, who are teammates now, but they dominated the mid-range. And that mid-range, they're so good at it, but it also does open up their ability to have a little more space from three and a little more space when they drive to the rim. If you are... I mean, two-level scorers are how you become all-stars and get max deals. But if you're a three-level scorer and when you like you pump fake at the three-point line and you drive, if your defender has to think, okay, not only could he get to the basket, but he might pull up, you're putting their brain in a blender. And for Ant to get the green light, I mean, that probably goes back to Finch a little bit, that Finch is like, I'm going to give you this green light because you've shown statistically that it's as much of a weapon for you as it is getting to the basket. But yeah, that... And it's weird, too, because I was watching, I think it was a preseason game where I was back for something and just watching Ant warm up. And if anyone goes to games early, you're on the road or if you go to Target Center, check this out. He just spends a ton of time working on like angle bank shots. Yeah. Which I was like, I don't know, man, that doesn't seem like the best use of your time. And then I don't think he's missed one
0: <laughs> this season. Well, and that's <laughs> it's the just thing, crazy.
1: Like, but when
0: uh, some of these games, you know, they come down to, all right, there's two minutes left, there's a minute left and you need a bucket. Mm hmm. And you're not always going to be able to play analytically efficient basketball when there's 45 seconds left and the opposing team is trying on defense because they know that the game's on the line. And in a perfect world, you would work the ball around and get a wide open corner three. But like the reality of NBA basketball is you don't get to always sort of choose the perfect shot in those situations. So you need a guy that can just get a bucket. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he can get to the rim. Now, what's interesting is, He's actually getting to the rim or shooting at the rim half as much as his career rate. So he is, I'm going to dive deep in the weeds here. 15% of his shots are at the rim. His career rate is 30% of shots at the rim. So he's essentially swapping out shots at the rim and his, his percentage of threes is way down compared to like his first couple of years in the league too. So he's taking shots at the rim and shots from three and exchanging them for more mid-range shots and you i think you would say inherently like that's a terrible idea why would you swap out the two most efficient shots in basketball right for more mid-range shots but he's knocking down mid-range shots and i haven't compared to like everyone else but i don't know how many guys are shooting 51 percent from 16 feet to the three-point line that's a kevin durant level number and it's a and where it's like 16 games of sample size so I think what we're seeing is he's he's just becoming an all-around efficient scorer
1: at age 22 here Kyle. I don't I don't think he has to apologize for selection at this point. And I think if if those mid-range numbers that Dane tweeted out drop or become, you know, regress pretty hard, I wonder if they'll take those keys away from him, you know? I mean, Mike Conley has been probably the most outspoken about when the three's not falling for Ant, just telling him like, "Hey, you got to get to the basket. You got to yeah. get to the free free throw line." so he might just be playing with house money right now or it's just the let him cook meme it's like hey man he's doing everything else right let him take that that shot he's comfortable with um and to your point late game especially in like one possession stuff and the wolves haven't had many of that so far in the season but you would love to see them run you know really sophisticated offense flow move the ball around and stuff but this was told me once by like a player that just in those moments it does still go back to isolation basketball Sometimes because coach, coaches don't want to risk. The more you pass the ball, the more chances you will for a turnover or something, even though you're getting the defense moving. So it's still going to be, I mean, even the best teams in the league, right? The Suns, it's ISO basketball to drain the clock. And if Ant can ISO and basically get a shot from anywhere, he can get to the rim. He's great at the free throw line. He can take a deep three, but he can also get to that 16 to 18 footer. It really just does present a situation where the only solution from the opponent is probably just to double him and because he's a three-level scorer if he starts getting doubled then you just draw on a power play 4 on 3 that you just then he needs to cuz he does still again we can't be 1000% pro ant there's a possession every game at least one possession every game where he just dribbles the ball too much mm-hmm. and that's fine he's playing awesome he's a super duper star but if he can just tweak that and in those moments where he's doubled and he's still trying to dribble around it and just get rid of the ball quicker it's going to result in layups and dunks Uh, And it'll basically solve the problem for himself. So he's been fantastic. And I really got to credit the coaching staff, too, because they are very analytically driven. And they're like, for this guy, we'll let him kind of shoot wherever he wants.
0: Yep. And that's good because not everyone should. (laughs) Yeah, dude, not everyone should fit into the box of we don't take this shot. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost feel like that was the downfall of that great Rockets team from like five years ago where they went. They couldn't hit a three. And mm-hmm. some of it mm-hmm. was some of it was they were missing open looks and some of it was it was the Warriors, right? It was that game yep. seven or game six, whatever it was against the Warriors. Yeah, and some of it was the Warriors are just like the, the Warriors are getting a body on someone and a hand up and, and forcing contested threes. And the Rockets instead of like the Rockets stance was we don't take long twos. we We take layups and we take threes because that's the most efficient way to play basketball. But when your season's on the line. And the opposing team is playing Hall of Fame lockdown defense. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, I think, pre-injury, right? And you can't make a three. Do you have another club? Like, you can't hit your driver today. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe try a long iron. Maybe yeah, that's try a, a
1: three-wood or something. It's a, huh? gr- a golf analogy. We need more of those on the show. Go, if you, uh, now that you're triggering my brain, go back and watch that Rockets game where they missed like 27, 28 threes. If you go watch the contests on those threes, they're essentially selling out. And sprinting at the shooter and jumping as high as they can, forcing them to drive because they know that if they pump fake and get inside the three point line, they're not going to take that shot. And then they're either going to try to kick it out to another player or they're going to try to get to the rim. So I really love that idea. I was looking up Ants just career numbers. And if you would have told me in just a text message, hey, Ants shot frequency at the rim is half of what he's averaged and it's 15%. I would have been concerned And you go look and he's shooting a career high field goal percentage. He's shooting a career high three point percentage. He's shooting a career high free throw attempts and career high free throw percentage. So the fact that he's not getting to the rim isn't at this point, knock on wood, hurting him by any means. It's just it's almost like another evolution that we didn't even think was possible. So, yeah, he is kind of the straw that stirs the drink offensively. I mean, Carl has also been equally straw these last couple weeks, too, but Just the trust that they have in him to do that is massive. uh, And it's probably going to bear itself out in really big moments where they'll still rely on him to kind of get his own shot. And if he can get it anywhere on the court, uh, I don't know how you defend that. Hey,
0: are you uh, sad or mad that the Timberwolves have apparently squandered their shot in the
1: in-season NBA tournament? Does it make you a little sad? I I will say again, now that we just went 31 minutes uh, anointing them as the 2024 finals champions, I was bummed about the Kings game because it was at home. If they would have won that game, again, I only know where the in-season tournament concludes in Vegas. I don't know any of the rules. But had they have won that game, I think they would have clinched like a quarterfinal spot. Yep, they would. And it would would have been fun. And we've talked about wanting to – I mean, anytime I can go to Vegas, I'd love to. But uh, that was probably their most meaningful game of the season, which is funny because we're 15, 16 games in. But it was a big spot, and it was at home. And despite them never getting blown out or not having a chance to win, they never really were able to get enough stops to get a chance to win. And again, they were missing Jaden. That's a big deal. I think they would have thrown him on Fox as much as possible. But I was kind of bummed. And I liked seeing how they respond. Responding against the Grizzlies doesn't mean much. I think I'm going to take that Kings loss and now think about the Thunder game. But I would like to—that's another dynamic— guard right in Shea Gillis Alexander that presents a lot of the same issues that Fox does so I'm gonna be curious to see how they respond to that but I was disappointed from a basketball standpoint not the in-season tournament stuff but that was probably the biggest game and they kind of fell flat and it's one of the small concerns you still have of in big moments when you have to get a stop and then you need to execute can you do it and for one night they did not so something to kind of put a pin in. Yeah. And some of it, too, is like and the, and the Wolves defense was not playing
0: at its Mm-mm. you know typical A level in the first half. Uh, the Kings had plenty of open looks just based on their ball movement. But to hit in any circumstance, yeah, 14 threes in the first half. So I'm I look at that game and think, OK, like even if you play terrible defense, the opposing team probably isn't hitting 14 out of whatever it was, 14 out of like 21, 22 threes in the first half and putting you in a hole like that. But at the same time. They came in with more energy, more probably just desire to, to win that game, I guess. I don't know what the what the deal was there with the Timberwolves and just sort of like not. But then again, if Jaden McDaniels is playing in that game, too, maybe the outcome is different in the first half and you feel like you're in the game. So I, I would say it's a little bit of a buzzkill. I legitimately thought they were going to go to at least the semifinals. It just felt like every, everything I sort of predicted before the year with the Western Conference teams in those pools has come true, except for the Timberwolves part. I thought, yeah, the Warriors, they're on the tail end of a dynasty. They really are just trying to like get through the first two or three months of the season. They're not trying all out. I mean, dude, Draymond Green got and, and Clay got ejected in the first two all minutes right. of a in season playoff game, right? Like they don't care. The Nuggets just won the champ the actual championship in June. And so we're probably not gonna see their best until like February, March, or April. So it's going to come down to these sort of upstart Oklahoma cities and the Kings and the Timberwolves. Like those are the teams that are going to want to actually prove something in November and December. And I was right, I think, but the Timberwolves wound up not, not getting as far as I thought. So it makes
1: and it, like, it was, it was just, we I mean, don't get the hang of banner. We're now like nitpicking, which is a weird world to be in, but you know, to get out rebounded by the Kings, they gave up a hunt. I mean, the Kings took a hundred field goal attempts The Wolves had 18 turnovers. Just the little things that it's like, okay, we are getting closer and closer. I know the Hawks' loss existed. And spoiler alert, I imagine they will probably have another game over the next 60 or so where they blow a big lead. Because that's just kind of what happens. But since then, they've taken care of all the bad teams. They've won in physical matchups like the Warriors game. They've won against depleted teams like the Grizzlies. Uh, They've won against really good teams like the Celtics. So they'll probably drop a bad game here or there. But it was just... That specific moment, you're at home, you have this home winning streak, and there was really no point. I mean, they, I think they were outscored 38-31 to 31 in the first quarter. They didn't come out well. Third quarter, they were outscored as well. So in-season tournament hopes are probably dead, which then if you want to spin zone it, I think that means that, because there's two games on the schedule that haven't been scheduled yet. Like when they released the, uh, the schedule in October or September, they only gave out 80 games now because yep. of this whole in-season tournament thing. Yep. So I think the Wolves will actually get to play lesser opponents again. So their schedule will get a little easier. Yeah. Um, and I think one of them, I thought Jim Pete said this on the broadcast last night, that it might be the Grizzlies again. So who knows? But if they get two easier games, that just helps them chew up regular season wins. Uh, because this whole big picture now that we're starting to feel feel it out and think, okay, we might be cheering for and covering and creating content about a really good basketball team. they they have to finish with home court advantage whether it be first seed second seed third seed fourth seed but i think playing games at target center is one of the biggest takeaways through 16 games is that it is a home court advantage that stadium gets loud the fans are crazy and you want as many advantages as you can get because this still is a team that doesn't have a lot of postseason experience outside of like you know rudy kyle and and mike yeah Okay, before we get to Kyle's
0: question of the week here, we're going to dive into Kyle's tweets, and um, Uh I'm going to make you answer your own question here. Okay, tweeted uh, this morning at 10:28 a.m. Central Time, so this would have been uh, pretty early, like eight little 8:28 a.m. Pacific Time for you, just up eating breakfast, rifling off Wolves takes. Yeah, it was either work or send some tweets, so I I chose the latter. Love it. At what point does Rudy Gobert leapfrog
1: Jimmy Butler? on the list of best Timberwolves players ever? Or did it already happen? So nothing specific about Rudy's game against the Grizzlies. I've just been thinking about that. I think I've maybe texted you as well. Uh, Because I was blown away. I was like on a... Again, we have the holidays, right? I had like five days off. What do I do after the first day? So I was just looking around basketball reference stuff. Do you know off the top of your head how many games Jimmy Butler played for the Timberwolves? I don't. Can I try and guess? Yeah, guess. So he played like
0: like 55 or 60 in his first year and then he played like they play him for like nine he played did play in that second year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like nine I'm gonna say I'm gonna say not
1: counting playoffs 70 68 I, I so the number I found on basketball reference and I don't know if it includes playoff games but was 69 Okay, so, so I said 70 and 68, right? Yeah, there. so okay. you were so right, right between. And then Rudy Gobert, again, I don't know if this includes playoffs, but has played in 85 games for the Wolves. So wow. we're already like, a. Hey, I I remember the Jimmy Butler thing was shorter than I originally had remembered, but I didn't know it was that short. Yeah. So it does kind of make me want to next summer when we when we redo our hundred top 100 rankings. We might need to ding him. I know he was phenomenal. I mean, he was almost like an MVP candidate that first season kind of elevating this franchise. I mean, it was like a pat bev thing, right? It's like they they just had done nothing ever and now like they're Guy brings I,
0: like a winning swag to the yep. to the room. But, Do you um, think Rudy could take the threes? Do you think Rudy could take Josh Minot, Luca Garza,
1: Wendell Moore, could take if the Leonard threes Miller was and, on that team, and beat the ones? Damn sure could cuz <laughs> we don't have enough time to go into the Leonard Miller thoughts, but I just as I'm watching Rudy play and when I tweeted that out, I had some people be like Well, Jimmy took them Jimmy took that team to the playoffs. We gotta see Rudy do that. And I was like, well, I don't I don't know what happened if you were in a coma, but like, did you watch what happened last year? Because that's what Rudy did too. Like, but dude, there's a
0: perception, I think, that that the Wolves, whatever success they had last year, was
1: despite Rudy Gobert. But that's not true. That's no, that's not and again, the predominant factor was Ant taking a leap, but as The Carl and Rudy thing experiment in year one was so bad and so clunky and not working. I mean, you never, ever, ever wish injury on anyone. But I said this to Dane last week, like that Carl injury in the moment was so scary and you don't know what's going to happen, how long he's going to be out. But it might have been the best thing that ever happened to them because it just allowed Rudy to play more of a traditional center with more traditional players around him. Um, Carl's defense before he got injured wasn't as good as it is now. And he's, And there are some analytical, out there in some stats that say Carl's is like one of the five best defenders in the league right now so no I, I just it, it's something to think about because we had Jimmy Butler as a top five Timberwolf of all time um, it was one of the coolest seasons ever it blew up about as more as embarrassing as it could but Rudy Gobert now is like leading the best ranked defense in the league and he's they're on pace to make the playoffs again and they might make a real real run I mean that Jimmy Butler season was fun they had five playoff games and I think one of them was competitive so Just something to think about, but some of the responses to that tweet were really smart. There's a whole real deep dive with Vorp and Warp and all these things I don't understand going on. But there's also just people being like, get to the playoffs first. He's like, he's already done that. Like Rudy Gobert has already played more games than Jimmy Butler. He's on pace to play. I mean, the first playoff game that the Wolves have this upcoming season will make Rudy more playoff games in a Timberwolves jersey than Jimmy Butler had. So just something to think about as those are probably the two biggest acquisitions that this franchise has ever made in terms of trades. And one of them blew up right away. And the other one is, has never looked better and makes you kind of reevaluate basically everything about everything, about everything about Tim Conley, everything about what they gave up, everything about their future. Uh And it's just, it's a good, it's a good Monday morning conversation to have the Rudy Gobert versus Jimmy Butler debate.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and also like, okay, for the for the uh, Gobert trade deniers or truthers, uh, the the Gobert trade critics, I guess is the way that I'll put this. <laughs> if you could reverse that trade and go back, and let's just say you keep like Vando on the team, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe you keep Papov and you keep the draft picks. Maybe you leverage those assets for something else. Would you would you have leveraged those assets for Damian Lillard? And now it's like, an. I guess I wonder what, for all the people that are just like, this is the worst trade in NBA history. Well, they're the number one seed in the Western Conference right now, a year and a half later. They are the best defensive team in the NBA. Like, though, if, if you would have said a year and a half ago, hey, I'm not going to tell you any other context. I'm not going to tell you what happens in the first year. But in the second year, they're going to be the best team in the Western Conference and the best defensive team. How do you think the trade is playing out for the Wolves? Wouldn't you say, well, that sounds exactly like what you would trade for Rudy Gobert for, right, to be the best defensive team and to go from being a fringe playoff team to the best team in the Western Conference? So if you if you could go back in a time machine and reverse, and reverse that trade, I guess I'm asking sort of rhetorically here, what would you do with those assets? I don't I, know that you can, know, can objectively wrong say. I know, I, I'm, and I'm just sort of asking the universe, like, and there's probably an answer like Kevin Durant, I guess. You know, he was available via trade. Could you, I'm, I'm sure there's answers that would make sense. And people in the YouTube comment section, subscribe, like, please can tell us, but it is, it is, man, for all the vitriol and all the hot takes nationally, prominent people who this is, man, this is the Herschel Walker trade. This is a franchise crippling trade for a franchise that's been <laughs> on the down for, you know, almost 30 years. Um We just need to, like, collect all those opinions and ask the question again a year and a
1: half later. And there's a couple other I was just reading through. There's a couple other replies where it's like, well, Jimmy, because he molded young players like like Wiggins and and Carl into winners. Like he he brought a winning pedigree and he turned them into he made them focus on defense more winning. I mean, if that if you're going to say that and you know me, right, you can say whatever. I just like consistency. But if that's your metric. Is that Jimmy came in and taught these guys how to care about every game and win. I mean, then Rudy Gobert gets that same credit for what he's done with Ant and Jaden. Dude, I think, hot take alert, I think Jimmy did more to
0: break Karl-Anthony Towns than to, like, elevate Karl-Anthony Towns.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think that's hot take. I think that's just, like, a fact that will be published in the records of life. I so I just and again I don't even know if I'm going to give Rudy all the credit in the world for Amp being a two way player, but if that's how you're going to compare and say Jimmy brought that for those young guys, I mean that was one of the things we talked about with the Rudy Gobert thing is that the national criticism of the trade other than just how much it cost and to this day I still think they were probably bidding against themselves and could have saved a first round pick, but whatever. Uh, is that Rudy elevated or escalated? No, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. He sped up the timeline. To be like, you know what? I know people think that all these young guys, these Lamelo balls, all these young, highly drafted players, just give them a long runway to learn and figure it out. But then you start to see that after a couple losing seasons, they start to have really bad habits. Uh, and with Ant, they're like, you know what? We see the, the vision. We see the future for you. Uh, we want to speed that up. We want to put you around really talented players, even if they're older and they don't fit the quote unquote timeline so that you learn how to play real meaningful basketball and just watching against that Grizzlies team again, Anthony Edwards against the Grizzlies on November 26 was just a hundred and eighty degree different player than he was as a as a rookie. And obviously that sounds stupid, but he made little winning plays when the Grizzlies had that nine zero run after the Marcus Smart kind of rah rah that's timeout right, yeah. <laughs> and got the ball, got a got a bucket, came back, made a defensive play. Just those little things, man. It's uh it's impressive. And again, I just. For next week, we can ask another question that I've been thinking about, and it's perfect for this podcast, and that's, uh, is Mike Conley the best point guard to ever play for the Timberwolves? Wow, dude. Wow. Because, again, all these takes... The answer is no. The answer is no. But I, I want to see how far
0: you take this take.
1: <laughs> it, and the, 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 I mean, again, these questions and stuff are because this franchise has been embarrassing, right? Like, the Celtics, Mike is probably not the 15... 20 greatest point guard of all time. But if you go back and look and see what he's doing, and then it's not just all about warp and vorp and dorp and zorp, it's about like, <laughs> look at what he's done to kind of fit the pieces better and yeah. his relationship with Rudy. Uh, I mean, that Jazz team last year before the yeah. trade deadline, the the Jazz were like a 500 team just as the, the Wolves were. They traded away Mike Conley in that three-team deal, and they fell off a cliff, and they haven't really recovered I mean, go look at the Jazz right now. They're playing weird lineups, and their guys have really fallen. Walker Kessler, a little sophomore slump for him, yeah. And everyone, percent, like they, they're not playing hard. Will Hardy's like starting guys like to make a point in November. So, Mike Conley, as much as we use this phrase, like he is the—I know we talked about plastic straws. He is the metal straw right now that stirs this drink. And my only concern is that I just—I hope they give him a couple of nights off. I know Finch is so not. All about the resting. Jace Frederick had a really cool article about how we're not a resting team. Uh, the Wolves want to play hard, but they need Mike Conley. At, I mean, Mike Conley yesterday turned back the clock against the Grizzlies at like five threes. They need That's this great. version of Mike Conley, March, April, and May if they're going to have any chance to beat some of those teams we talked about, like the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Kings.
0: By the way, all the uh, the D'Lo stands out there, the D'Lo defenders, my DMs are still open, okay?
1: Yeah, I don't you're, know. You're, 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 uh, you're welcome to exist. submit
0: your apologies. I remember being called, disrespectfully, I might add, a casual, being told <laughs> I don't know ball for saying mm-hmm. that Conley for D'Lo straight up is a huge upgrade for the Wolves, never mind all the other assets. So DMs are open, okay? They're always open here. Come on in.
1: Apologize. Mine are actually, to be honest, mine are actually close because of them. Because I think it was one (laughs) too many death threats. But uh, that trade has worked out really well. And also, too, like even last night, just the little things he does. But Nikhil Alexander-Walker will never have a beautiful jump shot. But he hits clutch threes. He makes clutch plays. He sets guys up. uh, Just a fantastic trade. And then to get a couple second-round picks, one of them you spin into Leonard Miller. We'll do a Leonard Miller podcast one day. When, Isn't that uh, crazy?
0: The, yeah, this team is the best team in the Western Conference, and their best player hasn't even really played yet, Leonard Miller. I,
1: I cannot. He turned... <laughs> so it's weird, because the two guys that I'm kind of high on, just from a, a standpoint of young players with upside, is Josh Minot and Leonard Miller. And their birthdays are back-to-back. So Saturday, Josh turned 21. Sunday, Leonard Miller turned 20. Scores his first NBA basket, but... I don't know what either of those guys are going to be. I reference Leonard Miller maybe being Gen Z Kyle Anderson because he just kind of is a Swiss Army knife and what he can do. But uh, there's still some questions this team needs to ask. The the salary cap, all that stuff is going to come up next summer. Um, but they have a couple of guys laying in the weeds. Luca Garza as well. We'll see what Wendell Moore can do that uh, I, I just can't wait to watch. I know that my favorite team, Phil, is first in the West and playing real basketball and has... Coach of the Year candidates, Defensive Player of the Year candidates, but the sicko and me just really wants to watch Leonard Miller get thirty minutes, just hot. just one night, dude. The Iowa Wolves are a hot ticket, man. You can uh, you can stream all those games, right? I I I turn the lights off and pour some wine and I watch Iowa Wolves games and it is real nice. It's just on Thursday. Leonard Miller stat porn is what we'll do. Is, Le- show. is Leonard Miller the yeah? Is Leonard Miller the greatest draft pick in Timberwolves history? We'll do that on Thursday. We'll take your calls 651 five one six four six. All right, all right. We're gonna save Kyle's question of the week for next
0: week because we both got to go here. But uh, appreciate you guys for making Flagrant Howls what it is here. And if you could give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you can help us spread the word about your favorite Timberwolves. Mm-hmm lifestyle podcast uh you can follow kyle but you can't dm him uh because two main death threats and uh you can follow me as well both of us are on twitter or x we'll see you guys next time flagrant howls